give life an eternal spark, I call you healer. You can mend any broken heart, I call you faithful father. You finish everything you start, my soul was made to respond. I know you by a thousand names, and you deserve every single one. You've given me a million ways to be amazed at what you've done, and I am lost in wonder.
right, good morning. Well, we've come to meet a God who's known by many, many names, but a God who is full of mercy and rich in love. And uh, we just welcome you here to Watershed, whether you're here in person or watching online, and we invite you to go ahead and greet each other and uh, make sure everybody feels welcomed here. And join us as we continue to worship through song. Lost its sting. 
seat. At this time, we'd like to welcome all of the kids up through fifth grade to come on up and join Pastor Aaron and Miss Sam over through there. Fifth. Through fifth? Through fifth grade today. Yep, through fifth now. Howdy. What's up, everybody? As they're coming up, let me just uh, give you a reminder today after worship, we are having a potluck uh, third Sunday potluck that we're going to try to just continue to create community here. Um, if you have something great and want to bring it upstairs, if we have too many people, that's fine. If you don't have something and want to stay around, I think we'll have enough. We'll figure out what else we, I mean, when in doubt we have our communion cups, you, we'll just eat those wafers. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that one alone. <laughs> but uh, feel free to stay, hang around, we'll have some We'll have coffee, drinks, uh, stuff like that. So even if you just want to hang around and chat, uh, we want to welcome you to do that. But as for our kids, uh, let's go to God in prayer, okay, guys? God, thank you so much uh, for my friends 
my little friends here, uh, Lord, thanks for the fact that we are all your children. And God, we want to just pray for them in particular this morning as they go to learn about you. Lord, that they will learn about your great love for, that you have for them. Your forgiveness in the life that you continually offer through your Holy Spirit. So Lord, bless them and keep them and, and, and show them your love as much as we ask you to show us your love as well. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all of God's children said, amen. All right. See you, everybody. All right. We're going to continue worshiping through song. Go ahead and stand with us as we sing praise to the King of Kings.
seated. Let's again go to, go to our God in prayer. Father, we uh, thank you so much for your love for us, your grace given to us in Jesus, that unearned favor and love, uh, Lord, that you've blessed us with. Thank you for that. Thank you that you are our Father in heaven. You are our, the greatest parent there is in the world, one who always has our back, who is always watching for us, who's providing for us, protecting us, who continues to look out for us, continues to be there for us when we even make mistakes. God, thank you for being that kind of parent to us. Jesus, for being our brother, our friend, our savior, for living the life that, God, we couldn't live. You lived, Jesus, fully faithful to the Father in heaven. And then you would lay your life down for all of us. God, so often we, Jesus, we, we step all over that sacrifice. God, forgive us. Forgive us for all the times in, a, in, in any given day that we take that sacrifice for granted. But Lord, one of the things even just as I pray that, that amazes me. You didn't make that sacrifice based on how many times we'll fail you. You made that sacrifice knowing we would in loving us anyway, forgiving your life anyway, for, for knowing that the only way to really bring us back, for us to ever really get it, is for you to show your loving kindness to us. And not just to beat us up beside the back of the head, tell us we're worthless and to figure it out. So God, thanks for that goodness. And thank you, God, that you've given us your Holy Spirit. So we praise you, Father, Son, and Spirit, that your presence dwells within us, that your power sustain us, sustains us each and every day, that you give us the breath that we breathe, you give us the energy we have today. You, you hold us in the rest that we had overnight. You, Lord, continue to give life to the world around us, this creation that we get to live and dwell in. God, thank you. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and we lift you up and praise you. God, we not only do that here in Watershed this morning, we do that across this campus in celebration and fusion. God, thank you that we can be a, a part of a bigger family here at Heart of Ike and, and how that can remind us as well as is, is the gospel goes out in three distinct ways, that we're part of an even bigger family called the church, and that the church crosses boundaries, socioeconomic boundaries, it crosses continents and po po politics, it, it goes to every nook and cranny of the world that, God, you are being lifted up and praised. And so, Lord, not only do we pray for our brothers and sisters on this campus, but we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. Uh, that you would continue to encourage all of us in the good news of Jesus and the blessing of your kingdom that is here and is yet to come as well. So Lord, may we see that kingdom alive and well. Lord, some of the ways we need to see your kingdom come on earth is, is in people's lives that are, are challenged right now with sickness and, and worry about of, with health. Lord, we continue to know that uh, folks are being challenged with COVID and, and the implications of all of that. And so we want to continue to pray, Lord, for, for those who are enduring that. We pray that, Lord, that the side effects are, are, are becoming less and less for people. But, Lord, we know that there are some that are struggling, even in our own community. We think about Brianna, and um, Lord, is she continues to be on a ventilator up in Muskegon. Lord, we want to pray for, for her and the the even house family, just as, as they are caring for her, and we know there's limitations for, for people to be able to visit hospitals right now. God, we pray that you would just restore her lungs, restore her health and her body, her strength. God, we pray for those who are working in hospitals right now, caring, who, who many are at the end of their ropes, Lord, being pushed to edges that they never really would have thought. Lord, continue to strengthen them. 
give them help and hope. God, we think about Sean as she continues to undergo cancer treatments and Lord, she's getting ready to undergo another round and, and we pray that you would just strengthen her again and that you, you, your hand, your healing hand would be upon her, that you would drive that cancer out of her body. Lord, we think about Helene this morning as she just continues to wait for answers on a biopsy too, Lord, and trying to figure out where, where the root of the cancer is in her body, Lord, and what's going on. We pray just for wisdom for the doctors. We pray for your healing touch and hand to continue to be upon her, Lord. Thank you for the strength that you give each and every day, but Lord, we pray that you just keep doing that. Supply all of them. Supply us with that strength. Think about the Visser family, Lord, as, as Kate is pregnant with, um, Kate Ruiz is pregnant with twins, and, and Lord, it, it's, it's a high-risk pregnancy for her, and, and it's very early on, God. We pray, again, just that you would provide your protection and safety. Lord, these are some of the folks in our greater community that are facing challenges, and there are others of us who, who are carrying different challenges in the quiet. We know friends and family. We know disruptions and divisions. Lord, we're facing things we don't want to share or we don't know how to share. God, in all of those things, we thank you that you continue to know. You are the good shepherd who is aware of everything that we're facing. That you're not leaving us alone as we walk through the valley. And that you continue to provide for us. As we do, provide you provide your presence, you provide your power, you provide your strength. So Lord, thank you. Father, uh, as we come into your word this morning, we, we thank you for the gift of the Bible. We thank you for the gift of the scriptures and how it tells your magnificent story. It's not just simply a history book for us. It's not just a book about uh, uh, great little quips that we can just If we just do these things, we'll know everything will be okay. No, Lord, it, it's, it's a grander story than that. It's a story of a God, you who have created us, who have loved us, who have rescued us and continue to rescue us. A God who strengthens us and, and, and yet you're a God who is well beyond what we could ever think or imagine. So Lord, challenge our hearts today and encourage them as well. Breathe your life into us through your spirit God, I humbly ask that you would use my words. My words cannot tell your story. Lord, it's impossible for me to tell the fullness of who you are. And so, God, I need you to speak. Speak into all of our hearts. Transform us, change us, and anchor us deeply in the story of Jesus, in the story of you, God. It's in your name that we pray these things this morning. And all God's children said, Amen. Last week we started a series called Scandal of Grace, where we are diving into some of the parables of Jesus. I mentioned that we're going to be looking at, we've, we looked at one already, we've got seven more. But uh, we're only looking at eight of these, we think, 40-ish parables, short stories that Jesus told. As we come into our parable for this morning, we're going to talk about uh, the mustard seed and the leaven in the dough. So as I prepared for that, uh, I thought about uh, the, some impressive things that I've seen in, in my life, and, and in particular, kind of connected to religion and the church. I went to the UK uh, some years ago, and when you go to the UK, I mean, they look at our little country called America, right? And, and we've been around since the 1700s. Right, they've been around since like the single digits. Right, so there there are things that are sticking around for a long time. Well, Peterborough uh, Cathedral was built in the 600 A.D. Think about that, 654 A.D. Right, when did when did America become a country? Right, <laughs> we're talking 654. I got to see this cathedral, and it was it was magnificent. Uh, a few people, if you go back to your world history class, I know for some of us this is a long time ago, but uh, Catherine Aragon, who she was the wife to Henry VIII. Anybody, Henry VIII, that ring a bell? Well, she was his wife. She's buried here. How about Mary, Queen of Scots? Anybody? 
That sound a little familiar, right? Go to History Channel, you can watch some Netflix, right? I'm sure there's something there. But buried here, right? Spectacular. It was walking through, it was just amazing. The architecture is beautiful. I mean, I was, I was infatuated by the impressive. I mean, it, it was just impressive. And so were hundreds of other people. And, and, and what grabbed me as I was walking through was going, wait, wait a second, this is supposed to be like a church. But it seemed more like a museum, right? A place where people were supposed to be worshiping. People were just coming by and grabbing a cup of coffee. Um, and, and there's a place you can grab a bite to eat. And, and then you can come and see the history and be in awe of the architecture. And I just wondered, I'm like, where are the people worshiping God? Now, praise God, there's still a small community that worships here. And that there are daily prayers being offered in this cathedral. But what the church is doing isn't impressive, but the, the building is, right? People flock. We're infatuated with the impressive, aren't we? Well, guess what? You don't have to go across the world to see this. You could go across the country. You could go to the Crystal Cathedral, which is now Christ Cathedral. But Crystal Cathedral, how many of you heard about that? Robert Schuler, our power, right? I'm a Reformed church pastor. That's my ordination. Sorry, I know I'm in a CRC church. I was baptized CRC, yay! <laughs> but it was the the Crystal Cathedral was part of the Reformed Church, and I mean Robert Schuler was was a uh, power of positive thinking. I mean, it had a huge impact. Praise God for the impact and and what was done through this. But but still today, people are flocking to see. It. I mean, it's magnificent, isn't it? I mean, this beautiful structure. But guess what? The Crystal Cathedral is no longer a functioning body. Now, there is, the Catholic Church took it over. But the ministries of Robert Schuller and what happened at Crystal Cathedral are done. A building lasts, but what's happening to the community? Right? We get impressed, right? We're, we, we are drawn to magnificent things. I don't know about you. I mean, I love seeing beautiful things. I love seeing things that are grand. I mean, it, it, it gives us a picture. It gives us idea. It moves us, right? Uh, the, I, I like hearing really good, powerful speakers. I love hearing people who can tell stories because I know I can't tell stories real well. Right? I love hearing people who, who craft messages because that's what I do. And I, I love people who, who, have, who have honed that art. Oh, I'm impressed by it, right? I get impressed by the latest automobiles and the tech involved. And I get impressed with, with buildings. I get impressed with music. Like, right? and, and we're just drawn to it. We get infatuated with it. But my question this morning and Jesus' question that we're going to hear in the parable is, is the kingdom of God something that's going to be impressive? Right? Is it something that's going to catch our attention and, 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 and breathe into that infatuation? Or is the kingdom of God something else? So before we dive in, I want to remind us again what a parable is. A parable to Jesus. Because remember, our dictionary definition is a parable is basically just a little morality tale or a theological discourse. Right? So just how do you understand Christianity or religion? But Jesus saw it as something different. It's an inviting and puzzling, if not scandalous, right? Scandal means offensive. It's disruptive. Scandalous, short story, meant to explain to us who Jesus was, right? He's telling these stories to help people understand him and what he was doing in bringing about and re revealing the kingdom of God, right? That was the point of the parables to Jesus. So let's dive into the mustard seed and the leaven this morning in the surrounding context. Luke 13, starting in verse 10. Hear God's word. On a Sabbath, so on the day where the people gathered to worship, for them it was a Saturday. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. Right? She's been burdened. She'd been everybody would have known her for this disease that she was carrying. We don't know what it is, but she was crippled by this for 18 years. She was bent over. She couldn't straighten up at all. Now, when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, 
You're set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Amazing, right? Well, the story continues. Indignant, right? Indignant, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. What? Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Sabbath, let me just pause for a second. The Sabbath for Jewish people was meant to be a day where you lived in and dwelt in like God's fullness. It was a day that was the picture on earth for the anticipated day where God's kingdom would be fully revealed, where there would be peace and shalom, there would be harmony. It was a day of rest. It was a day to be able to enjoy God's world. But for the religious, they were hung up on their standards and and they had created laws about what you could or couldn't do. And for whatever reason, right, they couldn't see God's kingdom breaking in right in front of them. Because they were hung up on what they were hung up on. This woman of 18 years had been healed. And what do they want to do? They want to be indignant and they want to say, hey, come on some other day. Are you kidding me? Come be healed six other days. Well, how does Jesus respond? Verse 15, the Lord answered him. You hypocrites. Now this is the genius of Jesus. He's learned the law. He knows it. He knows their laws. (laughs) You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out and give it water? Right? This is normal. This is what you would do. You'd untie your own ox and donkey. You bring them out and you give them water. You hypocrites. Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? Now when he said this, all his opponents opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with the wonderful things he was doing. Right? So that's an end. The religious leaders, they, they shut up. Right? They were like, okay, you win. But now, pay attention. Everybody else was, they were all in awe and wonder, right? The impressive just happened. Jesus did something spectacular. Then Jesus asked, what's the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? Well, it's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the, all the way through the dough. And that's where Jesus leaves us. Luke leaves us there as well. To what should I compare the kingdom of God? He says, first, a mustard seed. Here's a good picture for you up on the screen of what a mustard seed looks like. It's certainly in their day and age, as in ours, one of the smallest seeds that you can find. I'm not going to say it's the smallest, but it's definitely a small seed. But here's the kicker. Jesus tells this parable and he says, the kingdom of God is like this tiny little small seed. And and a man takes this seed and he hides it, not just hides it, he plants it in his garden. Well, if we understand sort of their, their uh, would, it, would the word be horticulture? I don't know, anybody help me with that? Yeah, yeah, no? Yeah, okay, good, I got some head nods, so, all right, I'm not alone, so if I'm wrong, you're wrong with me, okay? <laughs> but Jesus, he, he tells a story, well, if you know anything about mustard seeds, mustard seeds uh, were often seen as more like a weed, you wouldn't put a mustard seed in a garden because a mustard seed will take it over. It will become like a tree, yes, Jesus says, but it's quite invasive. That small little seed that you wouldn't think to plant along with anything else because it would win out something stronger, he goes, that's the kingdom of God. This tiny little thing that's unimpressive, 
right? You're impressed right now that I just healed this woman of 18 years. You want to follow me, right? We would follow Jesus because he does spectacular things. Woo! Just like we'll follow great speakers because, man, they're a great speaker, but then all of a sudden, what do we see? That fall from grace, and we ain't following anymore. Or you know what? I've heard everything they have to say. Now I'm moving on to another great speaker. I'm going to follow this team as long as they're winning Super Bowls. Right? What's that called? Bandwagon fans? Right? Fair weather. Okay, we could do that too. Right? But if they're not winning the championship, Jesus says, no, don't. I don't want you to follow me because I do impressive things. Because in fact, the kingdom of God is unimpressive. Usually it starts super small. But once it gets planted in you, once it has its way, it becomes something that, that's expansive. It grows and it grows and it grows. And when it does, what you're seeing, because these parables are a commentary on what Jesus is doing, what you're seeing is the kingdom's effect. The impressive thing you saw is something that happened when my kingdom played out in this, in, in, in this woman's life. There was peace. The birds can dwell. Right, much like the same with the yeast, the leaven. Again, something so small. It doesn't take much for yeast, once it's hidden in the dough, to, to impact all of the dough, and then it brings life, right? It, 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 it raises it up. Well, this story Jesus tells is 60 pounds of flour. This could have, when, when finished, a little bit of leaven in that 60 pounds of flour would go to feed over 150 people. Right, again, like, like the mustard seed that grows into the tree that, that, it, that provides shade for, for, the, for the world, for us, provides peace. There would be this filling that comes from the kingdom, but it starts out small. In fact, it starts off, off uh, oftentimes hidden. So many times we can't see what it's doing. We don't know what's going on. We wonder, maybe like this woman for 18 years, when is something going to happen? When will there be freedom? When will, right, fill in the blank. Jesus says the kingdom of God oftentimes is unimpressive. It's hidden. It's buried. It doesn't sit in buildings, spectacular buildings that people will flock to. It usually doesn't get the recognition that you think of. See, Jesus in this parable is telling this parable in Luke in particular as he's ready to go to a cross. Why do you think he's saying the kingdom is unimpressive? Because he's about ready to be a Messiah who dies. That's not impressive, is it? That's not spectacular. Jesus says this to the religious leaders in Matthew 12. Right, same kind of experience. People are looking for the spectacular, get infatuated with the impressive. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Right, we want to see the spectacular. And he answered, A wicked, wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign. But none will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. As Jesus and Luke is moving towards the cross, as we hear in this passage and Matthew goes towards the cross, he says the kingdom of God isn't about me ascending to a throne that you think is going to be spectacular and we're going to have this kingdom and all the gold and the silver in the world and it's going to look like, I mean, people are going to flock to it because it's just a wonderful thing. No, and you want me to do these magnificent signs? No, because you're going to follow me just for the magnificent, just for the impressive. That's not what it's about. Because the kingdom of God is going to come through a cross. It's going to come through sacrifice. It's going to come through faithfulness. It's going to come through love. It's going to come through patience of a God who really should have just wiped us all off the face of the earth. The kingdom of God is going to come through a laying, a laying down of oneself, not an arising up and becoming stronger than, bigger than, better than someone else or everyone else. Paul writes this as he reflects on these things. I can imagine this going through his mind. Jews demand signs. Right? They wanted to see the power, the impressive. And Greeks looked for wisdom because for the Greeks, wisdom was the penultimate power. 
Jews look for signs in that expression of power. Greeks look for wisdom in that expression of power. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Right? One who would die? That makes no sense. A kingdom who would sacrifice him, or king who would sacrifice himself, lay himself down? That makes no sense. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, right? That's the witness. God's witness is to all of us. Even though we get infatuated with the impressive, God wants us to realize his power, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Jesus was reminding them in this parable, reminding us that, yes, the kingdom will grow. The kingdom will have life and will give life. But the kingdom oftentimes is unimpressive at the start. The kingdom oftentimes is hidden and mixed in like the yeast in the dough. You can't see yeast in the dough, can you? Once it's mixed in and all kind of weeded, there's no way of seeing it. There's no way of pulling it out. Like the mustard seed, once you plant it in the ground, it's kind of hard to find again. Jesus says, that's the kingdom. I'm going I'm to weed that because for him, he is the gardener. He is the woman making the bread. He goes, I, I'm going to weed that into life. I'm going to mix it into all of creation. I'm going to mix it into your lives. And it will grow and it will come to life. Life will come, but man, it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. It's probably not going to have a lot of pomp and circumstance surrounding it. The way of Jesus isn't for, un, or isn't for impressive people. The way of Jesus often is for the unimpressive. Right? Because Jesus came to save the lost, the sinners, the broken. He came to weave his kingdom into our lives, just like he brought about his kingdom in this woman who was caught up in, in, in a disease for 18 years. He came to bring freedom and life. Yes, the, the, the magnificent in the moment captured everyone's attention, but the magnificent in that moment was life for her. She still had to deal with it for 18 years. Oftentimes when God's kingdom come in our lives, I want to see it happen and take place, right? I want to see more life quicker, faster, but... Man, how many of us would say our lives look a lot like this, right? Twists, turns, ups, downs. I feel like I've ascended, and then the minute I'm like 10 feet lower than what I started. Because it's not about for God the impressive. It's about for him bringing his kingdom, his life, planting it within us. And inviting us not necessarily to do impressive things but to be faithful in the everyday things. To share life, kindness, compassion, forgiveness. To be people of peace. People who think before we speak. People who, when we don't, own up to our mistakes and our failures. Nothing's, right, I'm sorry, nothing's sexy about that, is it? Right? Right? You're not going to get a lot of accolades for faithfulness. Woohoo! <laughs> right? Show up on time. But how many of you who have employed or managed people know when people show up on time every day? Wow, that matters. Praise God for those folks, right? See, that's the kingdom. The kingdom is not in, in, the, in the cathedrals. Praise God for the beauty of those. I'm, I, I thank God for years of, of, of how God's people have served through places like Peterborough Cathedral, Christ Cathedral. I'm glad that that building is not just taken up by, by some just uh, any old business, right? I'm, I'm glad that the, the church still has a place in the city there. But it isn't about the spectacular. It's about the everyday, the ordinary. It's about letting God sow his life into us and then us taking that life and sowing in little ways to the people we're with, to the lives we lead, to our workplaces, to our families, our neighborhoods. As we've shared, uh, as pastors, we're going through this book. Some of you are joining 
Um, and with Pastor Bill, Pastor JB there, um, leading some folks through this book, Scandalous Stories. It's uh, a, kind of a commentary, I would say, on the parables. But um, Dan, Daniel Emery Pierce and Eric Sorensen, or Price, sorry, and Eric Sorensen write this about this parable. It says, The kingdom of God operates in small, seemingly ins- insignificant ways. And I'm going to carry on. You'll get to the last part of this quote in a minute. The kingdom of God operates in, a small, in small, seemingly insignificant ways. This is the way it's always been and always will be until heaven is our permanent home. The first disciples were a ragtag bunch of fishermen, ex-tax collectors, and zealots. There were former prostitutes hanging out alongside of disgraced Pharisees. The people Jesus healed were not people of great cultural influence most of the time. But they were oddballs, strangers, and outcasts. And even our Lord himself had nothing attractive by his nature that would draw us to him. And there they quote Isaiah 53. Right, long ago, people had pro- it was prophesied that Jesus wouldn't be anything spectacular to people. Actually, people would be disgraced by him. It says, after all, if we look at it from the perspective of the average person in the first century, there could be nothing seemingly more insignificant than a Jewish man from a small corner of Palestine that was murdered by crucifixion. But that's how the kingdom of God operates. And yet, as unimpressive as that may look, God's kingdom is growing. Right? That's the truth we see in the parable, that God's kin- kingdom continues to grow. It continues to bring life and pour that life out into the world. I wish I could tell you today what that's going to look like in your day, in your life. But see, that's the thing. I can't. Because it's like a mustard seed hidden in the ground. I don't know where that seed is, and I don't know what God has planted in you to bring that life up. It's like the yeast. I, I, I don't know how to differentiate what that looks like. I can't tell you what God is trying to bring about in his, with his kingdom, in and through his kingdom, in, in and through Jesus in your life. But I can promise you this. He doesn't need you to be impressive for him to plant his kingdom inside of you. He welcomes the oddball, the stranger, the outcast. He loves us where we are. And praise God, he refuses, us to, leave, refuses to leave us there. Right? And he takes that, that, grit, that, that grace of his kingdom and he plants it in us, the ragtag group of people that he loves, in just the way that each of us need it so that it grows and brings life to us. But again, we don't need to be impressive for God to do that. We just need to accept Jesus for that to be so. And then on top of that, he invites us to share that life with others. He doesn't invite us to build cathedrals. He doesn't doesn't tell us that we need to start movements. He doesn't tell us that we have to have 100,000 followers on our Instagram Or post the next latest smart quip on our Facebook account. No, he's just inviting us to live faithfully. Not impressively. Faithfully. Faithful to others by showing the grace he's shown us. Faithful to others in forgiving and asking for forgiveness. Faithful to him in showing kindness and compassion in welcoming the stranger and not expecting the impressive in order to invite others in. That we don't live based simply on standards because the standard would have said, go take your infirmity and leave it till Monday morning. No, to be people who say, no, come to me. Just as Jesus says, come to me. The kingdom is like a mustard seed. Like a little leaven, small yet powerful, needs to be hidden in us from outside of us. And the good news is God does it. This morning as we take communion, um, 
If anyone needs a little cup, let me just pause here a second. We're continuing to take communion uh, in this season using these little cups. Uh, Kendra's around, so maybe grab her attention. Um, Let me just walk you through. There's two little top pieces. There's a clear clear piece you want to pull for the little wafer. That would be considered unleavened bread. (laughs) And then uh, the foil-looking part uh, for the juice, and I would encourage you for the juice part, don't rip it all the way off. Otherwise, it makes it a little hard to drink. But as we come into communion this morning, I I think this, this passage is fitting for us. This is pretty small and unimpressive. But God takes this really small, unimpressive stuff, right? A cup with juice and plastic. A wafer that honestly does not taste very good, right? He takes bread that he shares with friends at a meal that told a story about how God saves. He takes juice that reminded them of this covenant. And a covenant was more than just a simple promise because a covenant is anchored in faithfulness. A promise that can't be broken. And he says, this is my body. This is my blood. For centuries, Christians have tried to make sense of, okay, Jesus, is it actually, isn't it? I don't know, but I do know this, that as we partake, as we take that little wafer, as we drink this juice, the Holy Spirit puts in us, reminds us over and over again of this kingdom that we, we heard today, this gospel, that Jesus is going to breathe his life into our lives. Jesus already has, and Jesus will keep doing it. That's the grace of God for us. And he's not going to let us go. So be reminded of that good news today as we take. I want to invite you to take the wafer. And hear these words. This is the bread. This is the body of Christ given for us. Take, eat, remember. And just as Jesus took that cup and they drank from it, they shared it together. We drink of this, and we hear again that Jesus, this is my blood given for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Praise be to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you transform unimpressive things, ordinary things, bread, juice. We don't have to know how it works, how you become bread for the world. You who died on a tree become the the greatest tree that gives shade to all the world. We We don't need to know how this juice becomes your blood, or we can't. possibly know all of that. We just know that through these ordinary things, you pour out your extraordinary grace. You anchor us in the fact that you have given your life for us. You anchor us in the truth that you have come to life, and so we have life in you. You anchor us in a truth that we're not alone because your presence is with us, and we are in the presence of of others who believe in you as well. We're part of a bigger family. God, thank you. Thank you for the truth that you plant your kingdom within us. Lord, and and that it's, we don't need to be impressive people for you to do that. Thank you that you pour out your grace to all of us. There's not a person who you don't want to leave untouched. Lord, and thank you that you promise that that will bring about life in us. 
Again, God, I wish I could tell, I wish I could make promises of what that would look like for every person here. But that's the journey of faith. To trust you. To trust that your kingdom will bring life in the midst of our feeble bodies and lives. That your kingdom will accomplish more than we could ever create, imagine, or bring about. Lord, for what you have started, what you have done, you will bring to completion. So Lord, bring about again your life in us and through us for your sake, for your kingdom, and for the good of this world that you so desperately love. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, we invite you to stand one more time. Uh, we're going to sing about that kingdom. It reigns unstoppable. So join us, please, as we sing.
Amen. Like a mustard seed, like leaven in dough, God's kingdom is unstoppable. And God can do impossible things. What those will be, I don't know. But God does want to bring his kingdom to us and plant it within us. Again, just a reminder, if you want to join us and hang out with us afterwards, please do so. Don't worry about whether you have something or don't. Um, I'm going to ask that you leave tables up because I don't know how many people are staying and I don't know if there will be enough room up there. So if we have to move down here, tables up. The rest of the chairs, if you don't mind stacking, that would be helpful. Beyond those logistics, receive this blessing from our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children say, Amen. Amen. Go in peace.